Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 403, coming to you on Tuesday, March 9th. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football news. There is certainly a ton of it, including our reaction to last week's schedule release and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, Omni, wherever you can find a podcast, we're there. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansider.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Second What's Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. We are back after uh, another two two weeks. Um. We it's, have a podcast? I I know. What what the hell is with us? I mean, schedules are are a problem, I think is what's wrong with us right now. Um really it's my fault, let's be honest. Uh my work schedule has has gotten sort of shuffled around over these last few months and uh figuring out a doable uh podcasting time has been a little bit of a challenge for us based on that. So we're going to get better at this, people. We're just sort of adjusting to uh, the new normal. So bear with us, please. Sorry for the for the hiatus. But we're back. We're back and we're we're ready to go. Yeah, this is true. We're back the same week. F1 is back. But wait, hold on. We're not, we're not allowed to talk about that, right? No, we don't. We don't talk about anything but USC football on this show, Michael. Yeah, we're not going to talk about um, the, the new liveries or uh, testing going I on at Bahrain this week. I certainly will not spend any time waxing poetic about how beautiful the Alpine livery is. But you said, uh, you said it right this time. Alp- oh, hold on, we're not talking about. We're not Alpine. talking about how Alpine is is a stupid pronunciation for the new Renault name. Yeah, Renault. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, USC football is coming back soon uh, with spring camp. So there's so much to talk about because it's the month of March. Spring camp coming together at the end of the month. March Madness starting this week with the Trojans playing in the Pac-12 tournament on the basketball side of things. Plus, over on Patreon are bonus episodes. It is time for some Rot Madness. We're going to be putting together some Rot Madness bracket episodes, putting together on-topic and off-topic brackets you guys want to hear our takes on things like food. Uh, and this week, the first one up, we're doing a bracket of USC quarterbacks. Yes, USC quarterbacks. 16, sweet 16 quarterbacks from USC, putting it into a bracket, talking it out. Who is the greatest USC quarterback of all time? We're going to talk about it over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy, where you can join us for all of our bonus episodes for little as five fifty-five. Per month. Uh, Alicia, we got so much to get to. 
Uh, let's just head into the news, shall we? Let's do it. let's get into the news here there's so much of it that we haven't discussed yet obviously the new schedule the 2021 pac 12 football schedule was released last week we're going to talk about that in our next block but here uh let's get into the news first thing i want to talk about usc being out on ea college football for now uh, a statement from usc as tweeted from matt brown quote we have not reached a licensing agreement with EA Sports slash CLC that is acceptable to USC. I don't think this is a surprise. We saw Notre Dame go down this route. Also, there was a solid uh, verbal episode uh, with Matt Brown, who has like, done so much due diligence, putting in like FOIA um, requests and stuff, and obviously that wouldn't affect USC, but he's reached out to USC uh, and actually got a comment on this. But so many, um, Matt Brown has looked into every single team uh, in FCS and FBS, trying to see if they are in or out on EA College Football. So he's the one to look for uh, all that news. And go listen to that solid verbal episode with him because it was pretty eye-opening on things with EA uh, and the video game. Uh, Alicia, give me your thoughts on this because I have a really strong opinion um, and I'm curious if, if you agree with me. Uh, I, I don't think this is a big deal because I, I don't think that EA College Sports is really going to exist until the name, image, and likeness stuff gets sorted out. So I think it's only natural that the major schools in college football are saying outright, hey, we're waiting. We're, we're waiting on this. Like, I think USC probably wants to be part of this. I think Notre Dame probably wants to be part of this. But given all of the push that USC has done to go all in on the idea of branding for the players, name and image and likeness opportunities, and and just the, the marketing aspect that USC has pushed forward, it's in their best interest to make it sound like we want the players to get a piece of this pie. Absolutely. So that's, that. I mean, this is all just posturing until they can sort out this yeah. puzzle that needs to get put together. It's posturing and it's not at the same time because... Clearly, you know, there hasn't been a resolution on how the name, image, and likeness stuff is going to be handled from a global sense, right? Through with, with everything across the sport uh, and across all college athletics. So, of course, once that all gets figured out, there's going to be an easier path to getting this all done. So, from a very simple standpoint, yeah, they, they've not reached a licensing agreement. Means that they're out for now, but, but so is everybody else because there is no licensing agreement. Um, because of what we know about the, the situation and, and what we know about the, fo- the football game more than likely wants to include uh, the, the name, image, and likeness of players. Uh, you can't do that as it stands right now, but obviously the rules are going to be changing, uh, and that's what they, they all got to figure out. And for USC and for Notre Dame and any other school that, that is currently out, it behooves, it behooves the schools not to be in. Because you look like a player advocate, um, and then once the the laws change, once the rules change, you absolutely want to be all in on this because it's good for recruiting. Well, and it's good wh- for recruiting to be in once the rules change. It's good for recruiting to be out once the rules 
um, before the rules change, and, as they stand now. And why come to a licensing agreement when the landscape is not even close to what it's going to look like right. in a couple of years? It just it just makes a lot more sense to wait. Yeah, uh, we, we've seen what happens when you, um, you are the first to a deal before the landscape changes. Yeah, tactile. <laughs> <Back 12 degree laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we hold on. Just, just wait for things to settle. Uh, and SC will be in the video game. Uh, and, and as you see in that statement, there's nothing that says they don't want to be in the video game. No. They, they, they want to be in the video game. Come on, let's be real. Uh, other football news. Uh, new staff hires. Uh, the Trojans have hired a director of scouting and player relations. That's Jeff Martin. He was LSU's director of scouting and player relations and a big recruiting force. Then there's Megan Mueller who comes over after being a recruiting assistant at Kansas and Colorado. She's going to be the director of recruiting ops. There's Derek Markle, who's going to be the the director of creative media. He was credited with the creative revival of Michigan State, according to The Athletic. Uh, I actually went to his website. His stuff is legit. He's he's worked, uh, went to Bowling Green uh, and worked up from there, did freelance for a bunch of stuff, for a bunch of schools, and... um, Look, I'm looking forward to what they're able to put out uh, with him from a creative perspective. And then last, uh, and certainly not least, the most recent guy, uh, CJAU, uh, who's coming in as a QC analyst. He was a quality control guy for Oklahoma under Bob Stoops. He played at BYU, and then Oklahoma was an all-Big 12 Sooner uh, during the heyday of the Bob Stoops era. Has since been a defensive line coach at Vandy under Derek Mason. Uh, and then was a defensive line coach uh, in the XFL for the New York Guardians. Mm-hmm. Who had yeah. the best uniforms, by the way, in the oh, XFL. Well, I'm sure he had something to do with those uniforms. I'm too. sure he did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he's he's the most recent one. And I think probably all of these are extremely uh, exciting hires, I think, for their for their own mer- on their own merits. Uh, CJ Ayu, what I like about him as a, as a quality control analyst for USC is He's a different kind of profile than the than the ones that we've seen USC bring in. Uh, USC has given a lot of guys their first shot, and we've seen them, you know, Chris Claiborne and Chris Hawkins and all of these other guys who have ended up climbing the ladder and and going on to to other things. Um, this is a slightly different profile because he's already been a full time assistant at an SEC program. He's already been a full time assistant as a defensive line coach, so. Hopefully the, the the second pair of eyes that Vic Soto and Todd Orlando will have there uh, to help out with the defense should be should be a lot of fun and and as I always hope I always hope with uh, with the quality control guys in particular is former defensive line coach what can he contribute to the offensive line schemes to how can he help Clay McGuire uh, sort of from the 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 self-scouting kind of perspective uh, that one would hope. So we'll see what he's able to do, but I, I really think this is a, a really nice hire for USC as far as uh, getting their, filling those uh, quality control analyst spots. As for the other ones, you know, what can you say? that These are all excellent hires. Um, Derek Markell is, was an absolute huge force for Michigan State as far as their uh, their move into the future, into the the present of college football. Um, Jeff Martin was a huge president at LSU for recruiting. I read somewhere that he was the first person that uh, greeted Joe Burrow when he came for his his visit 
to LSU when he was being recruited as a transfer. He's that level of guy that they wanted to have um, sort of front-facing on the recruiting trail. So now we have USC who's who's picking up uh, Texas's main man in recruiting. We have them picking up Jeff Martin from LSU, who was a main man in recruiting, and uh, and and they've done a lot of uh, a lot of good hires as far as uh, these are concerned. Not just filling spots that have been left by other people, but also creating new roles. You know, director of creative media is a new role. Um, director of recruiting operations is a new role. So these are these are very good things to see. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned uh, you're talking about CJ Ayu, uh, a guy who has experience, and that was different than say Chris Claiborne or. Uh, Chris Hawkins or Hayes Pillard, but also you look back at the guys that SC has had and lost recently, uh, like Sean Howe, right? Or even Seth Nagy, someone who got promoted from within. Those guys had experience, um, and they had experience at the FBS level, but it wasn't the experience that uh, IU has. It Not was, Power it, 5, It yeah. wasn't a Power 5 experience, even though I guess there's a question. Is, is Vanderbilt well, Vandy, a Power whatever. 5 school? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's experience, which is what you want. Um, it's the pedigree that you want. And regardless of what you feel about this this coaching staff as a whole, I think that if you're a USC fan, you have to look at this and and see that SC is going about the right way of all these little things in the support staff, um, and that supersedes a lot of, a lot of other decisions. Well, and this it just you know got a broken record on this, but. You can dislike Mike Bones' decision to keep Clay Helton, but since he arrived, USC has done everything right on everything else. And this is just, these this slate of hires is just another example of how uh, USC is is really taking the taking it seriously how you invest in a football program and where you invest in a football program and how you support your head coach as well as possible. So you may not like Clay Helton. But the more we see from Mike Bone and the way he supports Clay Helton, the more we see how Mike Bone is potentially going to support any head coach that USC is going to have from the football coach, hopefully basketball coaches, all of that kind of stuff. These programs now, as, as far as I can tell, as far as I can see, they're in good hands. And we have evidence of this every, seemingly every week, evidence that, uh, that the athletic department is on the right track. Yeah, clearly it's, it's all a ploy to, uh, to woo uh, Bob Stoops, the new uh, <laughs> Fox analyst who's taking over, Fox Studio analyst for taking over for Urban Meyer, USC's last um, hopeful, I mean, USC's fan base's last hopeful man. Every weekend that Bob Stoops sits next to Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart is going to be a weekend that people are discussing whether or not they can convince him to come to USC. Uh, just get ready, guys. All you need, you just need... Talk to Bob Stoops and tell him to 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 get Bill Bedenboe, uh There you to, go to to come over. That's that's all you need. The offensive line coach from Oklahoma, the 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 best in the world, uh, Bill Bedenboe. Uh Let's talk about spring camp. Starts March 29th. Clay Helton says Keaton Slovis, USC's quarterback, who got hurt uh, in the Oregon game. We we had heard that he wasn't going to play uh, in the bowl game. Should USC have gone to a bowl game? Uh, he's going to be good to go, but someone who's not going to be good to go is the guy behind him, Matt Fink. He is going pro in something other than sports. Yeah, so he's going to finish out his masters this spring, and then you know, go into go into the professional world, and uh, and we w- obviously wish him well. I mean, 
the YOLO raid game against Utah is one of my highlights of USC football over the last few last couple of years at least. Um, that was on my birthday. It was completely ridiculous. I was sitting on the sideline cackling like a mad woman because of how ridiculous everything about that game was. But it was awesome. It was so awesome, and it was great to see Matt Fink get his moment. Uh, and now he's gonna gonna move on. And I think this is something that uh, I was sort of expecting to see earlier. Uh, was was you know some of the guys on on USC's team that were gonna have the opportunity to take this extra year of eligibility and ultimately decide, you know, maybe maybe it's not for them. Maybe their education is complete. So Matt Fink is, is go ahead and doing that. We'll see if anybody else does that as well. But it does leave USC with a question mark that they didn't have before, which is to say who's going to back up Keaton Slovis. And, you know, Keaton doesn't have a great injury record. We're not sure what USC's offensive line is going to look like this year. It is a thing that USC is going to have to figure out ASAP. Alicia, what happened before Matt Fink? Who was the class before Matt Fink? The class, the recruiting class? 2015. Who were the two oh, guys? Who were it, the two guys? It, it was Ricky Town and Sam Darnold. Yes, and one of them had been committed for a long time um, and had been sort of deemed the face of the class at, at, the, at one point. And the other guy came in towards, not towards the end, but later, came in six months later, and suddenly became the superstar. I'm just saying, kind of similar vibes. Kind of similar vibes to, to, to the say. 2021 recruiting class in which uh, Miller Moss, uh, not I, nearly committed as long as Ricky Town was, but Mil- there's Miller Moss, and then here comes Jackson Dart at the end. The guy that, <laughs> you know, the Max Preps player of the year, whatever he was, like... I I feel I feel bad for Miller Moss because there are a lot of people out there who are trying to sort of make that Ricky Town comparison, and I don't think it quite fits. Oh, it doesn't. Uh, it it I, Miller Moss. I mean, so here's the thing: when Ricky Town and Sam Darnold were being were being recruited, there had been sort of chatter from the beginning that people were skeptical about Ricky Town's uh, ability. We well, went to St. Bonnie's. You can't trust St. Bonnie recruits. Well, uh, well, I mean, it's a fact. Uh, you know, that's that's Whitney Lewis. <laughs> I mean, you just go down the list, right? But like, even at the time, there was sort of this perception that Ricky Town was was genuinely overrated in the recruiting, or had been rated too high, and then sort of because of how early you know, sort of early hype, and then he just sort of never progressed the way you want a recruit to progress. And so there was sort of this undercurrent of like this is, may not pan out. And so while, you know, Sam Darnold was a little bit of a surprise, um, it, it, you know, Ricky Town not panning out was not like the biggest shock in the world. Um, whereas like here, Miller Moss still has an excellent reputation. Miller Moss is still considered a, a, a really top-tier prospect. He brings something different to the table than Jackson Dart does. And I totally, totally get the hype around Jackson Dart. I would love for Jackson Dart to be the guy because of his skill set, you know, the mobility and the arm and everything that he brings to the table that sort of like I I love a a dynamic uh, quarterback. And that's what Jackson Dart is. But Miller Moss has also been compared to Drew Brees. So like, let's not, (laughs) 
everyone's been compared to somebody for this sure. This is true. This yeah, is I, true. I, but I, I don't mean to say that Miller Moss is, is going but to this will be nope out of here like like Ricky. No, Town. but one of them saying. could. One of them could be the Ricky Town here, and it could be Jackson Dart. It could be Miller Moss. It could be one or you know one or the but, other. But I don't think it's going to be that quick. It might not be. But then again, the transfer portal is a whole other animal, and and who knows how that's going to impact. But um, it will be a very very interesting off season in that regard because USC won't be having a quarterback battle at the top but the quarterback battle for the backup spot is going to be fiercely contested and I just think back to you know a couple years ago when we thought that the starting battle was going to be fiercely contested and you know JT Daniels won the job like pretty much everyone thought he would but it was a little bit of a surprise when Keaton Slovis came in and looked like he from day one, he looked like he belonged, and then as the as the battle progressed, he was able to win that second, uh, the 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 number two spot behind behind uh, JT, and it it changed the course of USC history because JT goes down, and you know a star is born in in Keaton Slovis. So this will be fascinating to watch because you do have three options aside from Matt Fink, who would have been a very easy person to just say he's going to be the backup because uh, he had been before, but now you have three really intriguing options that we haven't seen anything of. These are all brand new sort of figures for us. Now, Mo Hassan, it would have been nice to see something from him last year, but he came in, the pandemic hit, we never got to see him in practice, uh, and then he ended up getting compartment syndrome in his leg and wasn't able to play at all. So we don't know what Mo Hassan is going to bring to the table, but he's a guy that I think is the veteran presence that you would slot in. He might benefit the most from spring. Yes, well, especially because he does already have experience. He he is already along the the path there, and he is the closest thing to Matt Fink that USC will have otherwise. So he's going to be somebody that needs to establish himself very quickly. And then you got the two young guys, and the two young guys are talents who we don't know which of them is going to fit into Graham Harrell's offense quickly or not. Like, I don't think anyone could have predicted Keaton Slovis quickly integrating himself into that offense. Well, I don't know which one of those guys is going to be able to do that, but I don't think it's outside of their own possibility that one of them does, and suddenly you have a clear number two that's a true freshman. And the intrigue around that is going to be huge because, again, Keaton Slovis has an injury track record that isn't terribly uh, comforting. Yeah, but the injury track record stuff can be beat. Um, certainly, uh, Talanoa Hufanga got over it. Yeah, Isaiah Paul Isaiah Miles has been it. over it. Yeah, well, so, knock on all the wood as far as Isaiah yeah. Paul so has. take some precaution, but we'll see. Um, as far as spring camp goes, look for Moss and Dart to both be there, uh, which kind of actually works out with Fink not in in the mix to to take away reps from the two young guys, and you can see what Mohassan uh, can do as well. Uh, talk about the guys who have left the recently departed Trojans. Seven Trojans are invited to the NFL Combine. That's not really the NFL Combine. Uh, Elijah Griffin, Tano Hufanga, Amon Ross St. Brown, J2 Fele, Marlon Tui Pelotu, Tyler Vons, and Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, the workouts will be at the USC Pro Day, and the interviews are going to be virtual. Um, you would have expected that these guys would have, would have been there. Um, the NFL Combine, like I said, not going to be the real Combine, but it's still going to be the quote-unquote Combine. So good for those guys. Yeah, this is just really a status thing uh, because the Combine doesn't invite everybody. They invite the the prospects that are uh, supposed to get the most attention from NFL scouts. And so that's a, a good a good mark that all seven of those guys 
have made the cut there. And it, and it sets all seven of those guys up for, you know, early, early perception is that the, the, the seven will be drafted. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, yeah, good to see all of them involved there. Last bit of football news, Keon Burnett, a four-star tight end out of Servite, uh, the eighth-ranked tight end in the 2022 class is committed to the Trojans. He's 6'5", 215. Give me your thoughts. Is the first commitment in the Seth Deggie era as USC's tight ends coach. USC keeps recruiting good-looking tight ends. Uh, I I am eager to see them use these tight ends. Uh, but, I, I mean, <laughs> again, like... They're talking the talk. I can't wait for them to walk the walk. You know, Kean Burnett is another guy that that can absolutely do the job that USC is looking to do. He's sort of more of the receiving type tight end, which uh, if, if USC's plan is to create more Drake Londons with more tight end in them than wide receiver, then they are absolutely stocking the cupboard there. And, and uh, they, they got Michael Trigg. They got Lake McCree. They get Kean Burnett. I, I think I they they clearly are not. We talked a little while ago uh, about like at what point were they just going to abandon the tight end group? Like they absolutely haven't abandoned the tight end group. They've almost gone all in on on this profile of players. So I'm excited to see what they're able to get out of these guys. But uh, again, I just you know seeing will be believing for me. So hopefully uh, the plan works out here i think the drake london film is selling a bunch of kids and it's going to be interesting this is just me speaking i i think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when drake london's not on this team if sc can fill that role with tight ends um or if they end up going back to some sort of a wide receiver to to plug there in the slot it's gonna be fascinating because there's a million tight ends on this roster that they can do that with. Are they going to be as effective as Drake London? I don't know. Well, the the interesting... It's going to be... Yeah, again, it's going to be really interesting because part of me thinks that the way that this offense is set up, if you have elite wide receivers, then those are the guys that are going to be on the field. And you do have that sort of slot position that Drake London is occupying but like it's going to be the best of the it's almost like USC talks about how with the offensive line spots the five they want the five best offensive linemen and then they'll fit them into the into the roles as they as they will i almost feel like USC has their sort of four wide receiver or four receiving positions and they're going to slot whichever are the best four in there and in some combination. So one year that might be a tight end and one year it might be this, you know, true slot guys. And one year it might be just a big bodied wide receiver. So I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this works out because you get the feeling that Michael Trigg has that Drake London level of talent. I think Keon Burnett could have that, uh, that level of talent that he's able to be a dangerous weapon from inside the slot. But with him, it's just so much earlier on in his development that you have to hope that USC can can put something together here. But we've seen USC get really talented high school receiving tight ends like like um, Josh Follow, and then for a variety of reasons, it just never sort of comes together for them. Yeah, I'm. I gotta say, as someone who plays Madden 
where I convert physical wide receivers to yeah. tight ends all that's the time. That's exactly what like that, you do what, in Madden. Yeah, that, that, that's what um, SC has done with Drake London. And it's just interesting because it does affect everything else. So uh, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what comes together for the Trojans uh, in the next year or so. Uh, assuming that Drake London goes on to the NFL after this upcoming season, which, my God, I hope if you're an NFL team, you're, you're, you're praying for that. Because uh, he certainly looks like he will take the league by storm. Um, let's go to the hardwood. Talk about USC basketball. The Trojans finished the regular season second in the Pac-12. The Oregon Ducks yet again win another Pac-12 championship. Uh, despite USC having more wins, the Trojans were 15-5 and in the conference. The Ducks 14-4. and The Ducks in a COVID-shortened season a little bit. Uh, get the win uh, by win percentage. Uh, USC is twenty-one and six overall. You have any issues with uh, the the Ducks being crowned there? No, USC owns this. You, it's, it's USC's fault. Don't lose to Utah. It's it's that simple. And and I hate to say it because USC has had a great season and they've won a lot of games. They did win more games than Oregon. Oregon got lucky by missing out twice on UCLA. Um, not by not having to go to Poly Pavilion to play UCLA, uh, that certainly helped Oregon get a little bit of a leg up here in this race. But the fact of the matter is, USC had no business losing to Utah. If USC beats Utah, they win the Pac-12. It is cut and dry. So USC has no one to blame but themselves. The only way, the the logical way, the way that every other conference and every other logical organization would design their regular season championship under these circumstances would be to go by win percentages. And everybody was on sort of even footing because everyone was going to potentially have COVID shutdowns and know that this season was going to be topsy-turvy. Win percentages were the way to do it. USC knew that that was going to be in play. They went to Utah and they lost to Utah. It's it's that simple. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. You look at the NHL now. The, if you go to the standings page, they've literally added a column for win percentage. Because, yeah. The, That's how it works. Yeah. COVID is taking out some games. And the only way to balance that is to go by win percentage because everyone is on even footing uh, in terms of win percentage. Um, let, let's look at USC's resume as it stands right now. They're ranked 24th in the country after beating UCLA with a Taj Edie buzzer beater with just under a couple seconds to go in the game. The second buzzer beater at the end um, to beat UCLA in the last calendar year in basketball, two straight years, SC ends the regular season uh, with a walk-off three-pointer. Last year it was Jonah Matthews, this year it's Taj Edie. And really, you look at it, of the big sports, basketball and football, three times of the last four meetings you include football, SC has ripped UCLA its heart out at the end, in the last minute, crushed it, and just... Grounded into dust. Yes. yes. It's glorious. It's so glorious. Like, I, uh, <laughs> it's a bummer that that's, that USC, like, that that wasn't winning the Pac-12. Like, well, well it's, it's those three wins and the blowout basketball win, right? Yeah. Over UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SC is, like, waltzing. That's a, that's a four-game winning streak for USC. To, to the former thing called the gauntlet, right? <laughs> the, I'm, I'm assuming. Whatever they call it now, yeah. Yeah, um... That was awesome. It was very, very, and and it's cool for Tajidi to be the guy who comes up with the that big shot for USC because USC did bank on the young talent that they had, like Evan Mobley, and then also 
picking up a bunch of transfers who were going to try and be the core of this team. And then Tajidi has absolutely done that for USC coming on in the, in the certainly this uh, this last half of the of the season, this last stretch of the season. So the heroics are super fun. Uh, crushing UCLA like that, super fun. Just a shame that uh, that it didn't result in in the regular season Pac-12 title, um, but uh, we'll see what they can do don't, in the tournament. Don't lose at Utah, right? Yeah. Uh, SC will face the winner of Wednesday Wednesday night's Washington Utah game. Speaking of Utah, you <laughs> Spe- potentially a grudge match in that in in the uh, in the yeah. tournament on Thursday. So that would uh, that would maybe not be what USC wants, or maybe it is what they want. Who knows? Uh, the, yeah, the Trojans are the second seed in the tournament, uh, so they'll be looking for the winner of those teams. Talking about the, the NCAA tournament that, that starts next week, uh, Bracket Matrix, which is a great resource for putting together all of, it's like a database of everyone's projections, always recommend it this time of year. They have the Trojans as a consensus number five seed. But get this, the, the highest projection is a number two seed by an outlet called College Basketball Rating, which is a descriptive uh, data set. Um, whose criteria is a super math- like mathematical algorithm, prioritizes things like rebounds, turnovers, all those sorts of stats in a game, but it does not take into account preseason factors or win percentage. So, like it looks at the at the statistics in a game in a vacuum uh, through game score, which which is very analytical. Uh, if you know game score from baseball, which is a Bill James thing, which I've always uh, loved to look into, but. Uh, yeah, they have USC as the number two seed. That's not going to happen. Uh, ESPN's Joe Lenardi has the Trojans as a sixth seed. Jerry Palm of CBS has them a seventh. Uh, so the big two there, Lenardi and Palm, six and seven. The consensus is USC is a five. Uh, you had to put all your money in the world. You had to put your, your Biden bucks on it, your 1400 bucks. What, 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 what are you doing? Six is probably safe. I think six. I think five is what you're hoping for. Uh, if so, what I when I look at USC, the the regular season title, it's a disappointment to miss out on that. But you do have an opportunity to sort of make up for it by going through the tournament. And I think this team is built to go through this tournament. Here, Evan Mobley is going to be one of the best players in the tournament. Isaiah Mobley is is going to be one of the best players. Tajidi is absolutely uh, a player that that people will have to watch out for. USC is getting huge contributions from all over their roster. So this team should be able to make a run through the tournament, uh, through the uh, through the Pac-12 tournament. And so if, if USC wins the Pac-12 tournament, like I think is absolutely within their reach, then the the, the seeding will reflect that. Um, if if they get to the final and lose to Oregon, because that seems to just be what happens to USC lately, um, then, then you know maybe that that'll. Uh, That'll prevent them from from going much higher than a six, but I, I think you know six six seems about right. By the way, I looked into it last time USC made the Elite Eight, two thousand one, six seed. Last time mm-hmm. they made the Sweet Sixteen, five seed, uh, in two thousand seven, which they should have gone to the Elite Eight if they don't blow a double digit nineteen point lead to North North, North Carolina. Carolina. What are they doing? They literally stopped rebounding. I know. I remember screaming at the TV that game. I think that was, was the I was working a fish fry at the church. Genuinely I and like I just kept looking at the TV, like walking back and forth with with, with people's fish and chips. Like what the hell's going on? <laughs> I was watching it in my parents' bedroom because they had a TV there. 
and uh, I think my some my brothers or somebody I don't know somebody was watching something else, and I was watching it there, and I remember just sort of screaming, like clutching my hair, just like why box out, box out. And I think that's the last time I enjoyed watching USC basketball. <laughs> Speaking of box out and, and rebounds, have you ever seen the video of the the Michigan women's basketball coach who has the big meltdown about offensive rebounds? No. You've never seen it? No. Oh, my God. It, first of all, I, it just went viral this this past week because uh, it, it had like its 12th anniversary or something like uh-huh. that. Go look into it. I can't remember the dude's name. Washington, I mean, sorry, Michigan, 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 uh, women's basketball, a, a meltdown coach tirade. It's great. It's beautiful. The, the, the best, maybe second only to they are who we thought they were. That's <laughs> it. Like, those are the two. Those are the two. Uh, anyways, let's get into USC's college football schedule, uh, which, uh, which is intended for the 2021 season. USC obviously opens the season in September at home against San Jose State. We're going to walk through the 12 games and give you our thoughts and talk about the superlatives up next. All right, Alicia, USC's drive for the Pac-12 title uh, in 2021 in football begins on September 4th. Um, well, the season begins September 4th at home against San Jose State. September 11th is the Pac-12 opener at home against the Stanford Cardinal. September 18th at Washington State. September 25th at home against the Oregon State Beavers, who still have not won at the Coliseum since 1960. Just followed by an October 2nd trip to Colorado against a team that has never beaten USC ever in the history of man. Followed by an October 9th home game against Utah, who has never won a game at the Coliseum against the Trojans. So three straight games in which USC might have a historical advantage followed there, by a bye week. There's some there's some negative juju going on there though. I'm just saying. <laughs> those streaks exist. Those those streaks exist and those streaks are uh... Negative juju is a U- USC living rent. It, it, it's, it's one of them. Um October 16th, a game that USC will not lose for sure. It's against nobody. It's a bye week going into the October 23rd road trip to Notre Dame. Uh you know the Fighting Irish always have that fall break week off before that USC game, here SC finally gets it right back before the trip to Notre Dame, uh, which is uh, followed by October 30th at home against Arizona, November 6th at ASU, November 13th at Cal. USC finishes the Pac-12 season November 20th uh, at home against UCLA and then finishes the entire regular season on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, November 27th against... BYU. Yeah, it's a, sort of a weird, um, a weird ending to the season, right? And and it's funny because USC often ends without a Pac-12 game. USC often ends with with Notre Dame, but it's weird that it's BYU that ends the season. Yeah, uh, and, it's the 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 second of a three game series with with the Cougars. It's a two for one. Mm-hmm. This is the first at the Coliseum. Yeah, and uh, and and it could be a fun sort of end to the season. It could it could have a lot of meaning. It could not. It just could be one of those sort of showcase games that uh, that everyone looks forward to. But we'll have to see uh, how good BYU is this year, and we'll have to see how good USC is this year before we decide if that game is going to be any fun. Uh, really, though, when you when you look at the schedule, though, can can USC be any happier? Like, 
We is already it, knew the, the teams that were going to be on the schedule. We we knew that Oregon was not going to be there. We knew that that um, Washington was not going to be on the schedule. We knew that Alabama was not scheduled, right? Like we knew that it was going to be San Jose State, Stanford to to begin, and UCLA and BYU to end with Notre Dame in the middle. It was just a matter of figuring out where everybody else slotted in, right? And yet. I think you wake up the day that this drops and you're like, wow, that's even better than anyone could have imagined because literally everything comes through. What's the toughest part of the schedule? Like the the two-game road trip at ASU and at Cal? And, and like I put on Twitter on the, the day that it released, if that's the toughest part of your schedule, if that's it, then this schedule has no basis in limiting USC's potential to win a Pac-12 championship or more. Yeah. It's all going to come down to to what USC can do. They can't sit here and and blame the schedule uh, creators. As it stands now, who knows? Maybe ASU ends up being like a national championship contender, and we, we rethink these things later. But until that happens, you look at the schedule and you go, this is exactly how you would draw it up. Um, a little backloaded, sort of, when you look at the tough road games at ASU and Cal. Uh, you get the bye, the bye week ahead of Notre Dame. You you start with with the with a tough uh, out of conference game in San Jose State that you shouldn't be looking over, um, and maybe that's a, a game that allows you to to bring in some focus. You get the Washington State game in September, so you don't have to worry about weird weather. Like everything, yeah. kind of come together for you. That's the thing is every schedule is going to have a tough spot or two, and USC's out of conference schedule is no joke. BYU, Notre Dame, San Jose State—that's a really tough out of conference uh, uh, slate. Tougher than most schools are going to face this year. But you're also splitting those games up, so you get sort of one each month. Um, right. You have uh, the the weather situation was literally perfect. You have no cold weather games. You have no heat concerns because you get ASU late. You get ASU in November, so you're, at least you're not playing ASU at ASU in September. You get them late on when you don't have to worry about the weather. You get Washington State early on when you don't have to worry about the weather. You get Colorado early on when you don't have to worry about the weather. Um, Cal in November, sure, it'll be chilly, but it's still California. It, right. It, it'll be probably chilly and, and potentially gross, but it's not going to be Right. Awful. Right. It's, it's not going to be Colorado on November, tw- right, on exactly. November 13th. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame... In in October, I mean, there's a reason that game is scheduled for when it is. The weather should be nice. So weather is not a concern. Um, you get Utah and UCLA at home. So of your Pac-12 South rivals, uh, you do have to go to ASU, but you get Utah at home, which is a huge boon because Utah is not the same uh, outside of Salt Lake City. Um, you have the easiest pairing of North opponents in Washington State and Oregon State. And Cal and Stanford, you don't get Washington, you don't get um, don't get Oregon. That's a huge, huge plus to avoid those two. Uh, you get five home games, which is the max number of home games you would have had. And you know, you you only have one team that's coming off of a off of a bye. I remember, like last year, the year before, every single team that USC played was coming right. off of a bye. And it's Utah in in this instance. Yeah, Utah is coming off of a bye, but like you know that that's going to happen. It just you, of all of the negative schedule things that might have happened to USC, like there's oh, no, no weekday games, no short no weekday rest. games, no short rest, uh, no road games coming off of short rest. All of those things that normally would would uh, would 
be things that we'd look at and say, man, this is going to be very tough to overcome. None of those exist. The no. bye week is perfectly settled with at the very mid middle of the season, so yeah. you get six pre bye week, six post bye week. Like, yeah, the the back to back road games are the two weekenders, the the Bay Area weekender and the Arizona weekender. So it's not like you're traveling super far for those. Yeah, everything kind of works out. It it all works out. So. Which leads us to a Slack message we got from Eric Tang, who says, over under on USC winning 10-plus games this upcoming season based on the schedule. Okay. If we didn't know, if you just looked at USC's roster, and you just looked at what USC was capable of, and you didn't know the history of USC football under Clay Helton, I think you take that over. Um, I think I kind of like SC's chances. Um, to to win ten games. So if the, if the line is at nine and a half, I take that ten, that um that line. Like I I, I take the over to go ten and two. Knowing what I know, this is still a team that just feels nine and three ish. In what game will USC be an underdog on this schedule? Potentially at Notre Dame. But see, the the interesting thing that you, you talk about the non conference schedule. And it's probably one of the nation's toughest when you look at San Jose State, who was so good last year. Best team in California, right? <laughs> um, they won the Mountain West. And then there's BYU, who is a team that kind of flirted with potential play- fringe playoff uh, content- contendingness right, last but year. They had a Heisman candidate at quarterback, and yeah, he's uh, gone. He, Zach Wilson's gone. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, we know that they went to the playoff and then got promptly obliterated in, in annual fashion, but they're going to be without Ian Book. They're going to have to replace uh, a new quarterback. And I know it's not all about quarterback, and it's always I think it's lazy to look at just well, who replaces the new quarterback and who doesn't, but we know that quarterback play is also so important. But you're getting those two teams, those two tough non-conference teams at the right time. If you had to pick when to play Notre Dame, this is the year to pick, right? And so everything kind of comes together for, for USC schedule. So you should take the over on this bet. I, I just again, the only game that USC will be an underdog in, as far as I'm concerned, is Notre Dame. Yeah. And if I'm gonna sort of question out, okay, what are the other danger games on this schedule? At ASU is a definite danger game. At ASU and at Cal, and then you put uh, UCLA in there because it's a rivalry. It's those. It's those three games. It, yeah. Really, uh, probably the last four games at ASU, at Cal, UCLA. And then BYU. BYU puts it together. And, yeah, and, and BYU could Zach be very Wilson. good. By, by November, they could be really good. Who knows? Yeah. So, you know. he's a good coach. Yeah, there, there aren't. Uh, it's it's not that um, it's not that USC couldn't lose a handful of games on this schedule. It's that they shouldn't lose a handful of games on this schedule. Right. I they, think you they can. They should start 6 and 0. Like they, like, uh, how many I, times have we said I know, that? I know it sounds ridiculous. And then you it? look at that the road opener, uh, the Pac-12 road opener, and every time I think, well, that <laughs> right, like <laughs> like awakening. should a team of USC's caliber with the talent they have on offense, even with the talent they lose on defense, I think that they should be able to to make up for for some of that at least early on. So like they should be able to win those six games because they'll be expected to win all of those six games probably by almost double, double digits if not all of them mm-hmm. five of the six if not all yeah and then and then you know maybe you lose to Notre Dame and and that is quote unquote acceptable 
because you're at Notre Dame, and that's a good Notre Dame team. From a football perspective. From a football perspective. perspective. Yeah, from a football perspective. And then let's say you, you know, lose to ASU. We're still talking 10 wins. You lose, you beat ASU, but you see UCLA. We're still talking 10 wins. Shouldn't lose to BYU at home. So I, I, I think you take the over. Absolutely. I think you take the over on 10 games. Now, that is firmly we're talking about on paper, right? Because this right. is still a USC team that we're skeptical of the offensive line it's and still uncertain. It's a USC team that, that needed a last-second win over Arizona. It's right? still a USC team that I could see losing to Stanford, <laughs> that I could see losing to, you know, we talked about Oregon State, Colorado, and Utah. I wouldn't be all that surprised if one of those streaks ended. I mean, right, it's yeah. it, it, Oregon State is, is on the, the come-up. Kyle Whittingham is still a great but coach. But Oregon State's not Oregon. Yeah, Oregon State Washington is not State's Oregon. Not Washington. Colorado is not uh, is not you know any of those teams. So, you know, I think I think these are there are potential pitfalls here. But if USC is if USC is where they should be at, which we say this every year, but if USC is where they should be at, they should be a ten win team. Yeah, I, I look at the schedule and I think, okay, if Pete Carroll was the head coach, he'd. 11 and 1. SC would go 11 and 1 losing and to Washington State. Absolutely. That was exactly what I was going to say. 11 and 1, they'd lose at Washington State. Right. Now, it, but but knowing that that it's th- th- this regime that can look really good at times but look really awful and, and struggle at times and 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 is, well, I think is part of the problem achieving. Here's here's I th- I think you I think you're you phrase this wrong though. Because I think the problem is the whole they can look really good at times. They don't look very good at times. They look good at times. Sure. They never look great. Well, they, like they do ever. for 15 minutes against Washington State. Well, okay, State. for a full game. When was the, the last time USC the, had a full first, game where they looked okay, great? 20 minutes of the Washington State game, you're like, geez, this team could could beat anybody yeah. in the world. Yeah. And, and then you, you never see everything come together. And they go the rest of the game without scoring and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, um, like, like I said, if I didn't know the personality of this team, I would absolutely take the over and say that this is a 10-win 10, 10 schedule. Uh, knowing what I know, how USC has played recently, uh, it's, I would say they go 9-3 and three with I, like, I, losses I, at like Notre Dame. We'll say the early one will be Washington State and the late one will be Cal and UCLA. Yeah. I I think if if there were a better rhyme or wordplay, there would absolutely be a nine win Helton like you that you could that you could throw out there as the accusation. Like I think this is probably this this should be an eleven and one team. This will probably be nine and three team, and that is the problem. But here's the thing: you go nine and three with one of those losses to Notre Dame. That's seven and two as in the I, South. As I say every South. year, as I say every year, uh, if USC goes nine and three, it would take quite a bold decision to uh, make a change. So right. gear up, guys. I, I know we're not going to talk about it. We all know <laughs> this is the yeah. This is the fire extend season for for Clay Helton. We all know, but to to, to we're going to have that, on it. We're going to have months and months yeah. and months to talk about that. Quick schedule superlatives. Toughest game. At uh, Notre Dame. At Notre Dame. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Most important game. It's a difference. You can look at it the same way, but I think it's different. Because I think you important. I think you can lose to Notre Dame and it doesn't really impact um the 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 crux of the schedule because 
for me, the goal here is win the Pac-12. Just, right. you know, win the Pac-12. I'm not asking too much by by saying that. Yeah. So I think uh, at Arizona, Arizona State, sorry, uh, is probably the one. I think so, too. Because that probably decides the South. Yeah, I think it's at Arizona State or at UCLA. Um, I could see that UCLA game deciding the South if UCLA puts it together. Like, I mean, I don't may, know what to expect from I, UCLA. That's the problem, though, because I think we should sit here and expect UCLA to take another step forward. They took a step forward on the eye test this past year, but definitely not in terms of numbers. But then anything. again, it, like, it, are we misplacing the perception around Arizona State? Because, it, you know, you talk about UCLA taking a step forward. We still haven't really seen ASU take ASU's the step the forward. They've, they've been the been same forever. team that they've been. Yeah. So, like, are we overvaluing, like, are we overperceiving ASU as, like, but but no, but the the way I look at it, Utah still is in a rebuilding phase. They, Utah, or is is Colorado gonna do some damage because they? Come on, uh, let's not overthink. It's uh, ASU. It's ASU. Yes, this is true. Okay, it's ASU. Yeah. Uh, trap game. What do you got? Um, I mean, it, at Cal, it coming off of that ASU game with the UCLA game. Ahead of it, I think it probably is the is the one. Hundred percent. I think that um, part of me wants to put one of those Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State games in there, just because that three game stretch is going to be like September is going to be September should be easy, but that right. makes me think <laughs> there's I mean, a hiccup. In, in what we know about a trap game, it's absolutely cow. If there's going to be a letdown game anywhere, I think it's Washington State or Oregon State. Yeah. I think it's one of those two teams. Yeah. Probably Oregon State, just because they're they're so well coached. I think I'd everyone go, everyone likes what Jonathan Smith has, has done over but there. But I'd, I'd still go Washington State because USC is just game. so bad on the road. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. And it's it's Pullman. And that, oh, never know that's that's expect. the other funny thing about how like this schedule works out perfectly for USC. USC's toughest conference road game is ASU, which is the only venue in the Pac-12 that USC has not had any problems with. USC under, goes under, under Helton. USC goes to ASU yeah. and wins under Clay Helton. You know what's weird? I was listening to the Family Feud, and, and they were talking about this about SC owning Tempe, right? Yeah, and which is so weird. Like it, I don't. Well, it's weird because the last three times. SC has absolutely owned Tempe. Especially when we were totally... I remember going into each and every one of those ASU games and thinking, this is a this is a, this right. is a danger game. Yeah. We're not sure about this one. But you look at the two times before that, 2011 and 2013, SC loses, like, embarrassing, mm-hmm. like, keep you up at night type games. Well, it gets, quite, it gets Lane turnovers. Kiffin fired. Yeah, 2013, <laughs> they give up 62 points. Lane Kiffin gets fired. And it felt like, you know, Tempe was the the, the place where SC went to die. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly they've, of they've all of, turned things around. And it's, I mean, Clay Hilton, it's just, it's, sometimes things work out in the weirdest ways, right? Like, Clay Hilton it has demons on the road everywhere else. Everywhere else. But Tempe. But Tempe. Of, of all the, the places. hotel's good. I mean... Maybe it is. Must be the like breakfast buffet at the <laughs> at the Tempe Marriott or whatever it is. It must be solid. Uh, road trip you're looking forward to most this year? Uh, There's only one answer. It's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame. Yeah. Chicago, baby. 
Yeah. In I, October with the Cubs in the playoffs? Hell yeah. Col- Colorado. Who, who, am I, who am I joking? In October. The Cubs aren't going to be in the playoffs. Uh, congratulations. Uh, the, the the one thing we're kind of low-key sad about is um, the timing of the bye week is, is a week too early, isn't it? Yeah. I, and this yeah. is not an F1 podcast. We don't talk about Formula One at all in this podcast. No. But the U.S. Grand Prix is the week of the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game. game. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can get a flight from Chicago. No. <laughs> to Austin. No. You know Think about it. We do the we do the night game on Saturday. Fly to Austin <laughs> no. for the race on on Sunday. No. <laughs> Some of us have to work after we the can do game. It. No. Come on. <laughs> no. Anyways, uh, let us know your thoughts about USC schedule. Those were our thoughts. We're gonna head over to Patreon now and put together a rot madness talking about USC's quarterbacks. Put them in a bracket. Put them together, walk it down, matchup by matchup, and see who gets crowned as USC's ultimate quarterback. Uh, you can listen to our bonus episodes at patreon.com slash reign of Troy. You can get all of our bonus episodes for as little as five fifty-five per month. Um, Alicia, that's the end of the episode. You got any final words? The final word is cupcake? As in there's... I don't know if there's a cupcake on USC. I mean, there is Arizona, that, but... That's, is, is that's, that the thing, the that's the weird thing about the schedule. There aren't... Like, Arizona's the only, like, quote-unquote cupcake. Like, there, there's te- absolutely a bunch of teams that SC should beat. Yeah. 100%. But are, is there a cupcake if anyone's Arizona? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, well, well, we'll see what happens uh, with the Jetfish Wildcats. Uh, and so much more... Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Rancho Radio. We'll see you then. See you. See you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.